Welcome to Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. They've got their feast, check. They've got the solemn assemblies, check. We've got our offering, check. We've got our grain offering, check. We've got our peace offering, check. We've got our fat and animals, check. We've got our songs, check. We've got our melody with our heart, check. God said, I don't care what you check. Instead of praying for God to come, we need to be praying God will wait so we can get our household in order. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Living Faith. You're invited to join us as we continue our series entitled, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. For the Hebrew people, life in the Promised Land was a cycle. Though God had promised His people a land of plenty, He also commanded them to remember Him and His law in their abundance. The people became blinded by their prosperity and often followed after other gods, worthless idols. Each time God graciously provided the voice of a prophet to call his people back to himself and to warn of impending judgment. Amos was one such prophet in this cycle. This shepherd, called from the fields of a small town, was chosen to bring God's message of judgment to a powerful and arrogant nation. A message so very relevant to New Testament believers who were part of Israel's faithful remnant through Jesus Christ. So get your Bible and pen ready, and let's listen in as Pastor John Beck leads us through the book of Amos. Take your Bible, if you will, and find the Old Testament book of Amos. Uh, We continue our study in this uh, wonderful book of the Old Testament. The nation of Israel is living a fat and happy life. You know what that is? Uh, They were living fat and happy in the northern kingdom, and they had in the back of their mind the, the promises of God way back in yesteryear, and they believed in the things of God, but they had turned their back on the things of God, and they had kind of gotten caught up in themselves, and they were prosperous, things were going well, but a prophet came forth with a mighty message, and he preached a series of sermons as, I like Amos. He didn't just preach one sermon. He just preached a sermon after a sermon after a sermon. So that's, that's uh, I follow after Amos' uh, lead, sermon after sermon. And in a, in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at some of the visions that God gave him for the nation of Israel. I get up early any morning. I, I'm kind of, a, my personality, I'm kind of, when I'm done, I'm done, but when I'm up, I'm up. So I, I go to bed early and get up early, and I was thinking about the woes of, of Amos and the message to the nation of Israel and how it applies to us as God's chosen people today because that's what we need to remember. We read Amos and say, well, that was to them. Well, them was the nation of Israel, God's chosen one. You know who the them is today? The church. We're the chosen ones. And I was reminded, I remember, remember the series of billboards, they still may be around, that they were, they were messages from God. Now, some of them were theological train wrecks, but at least they made us think. But I remember one that always caught my attention. It said, don't make me come down there, God. That's what we're looking at today in Amos chapter 5, but it's worded a little different. Oh, I'm coming. And you think you're ready but you're not. Amos chapter 5, turn there. If you can't find it real quick, just, it is easier. I've said this every week. Just go to the table of contents. It's a small book. We don't read it that often. We may not be that familiar with it. But Amos chapter 5, beginning there in verse 18, it's a woe. We'll look at another woe next week. Woe to you 
who desire the day of the Lord. Woe to you, nation of Israel, because you say, God, come and judge the wicked nations around us. But Amos says, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord, Amos asked. It is darkness, not light. In other words, Amos is saying, nation of Israel, nation of Israel, this is what they were saying. They were prosperous and they were doing well in, in man's eyes and they knew historically and, and from the Old Testament teaching that the day of the Lord was coming. And, and even if you have in your midst today one of the ESV study Bibles, you'll see in the, in the left-hand side of your page right there, there are different days of the Lord in the Old Testament. And, and it's referring to that they were, knew there was a day of the Lord. But the day of the Lord was going to come and bring judgment. And they were doing fine, they thought. So surely the day of the Lord was not for them. They're great. It's all the other people that need the judgment of God. And so they were saying, come day of the Lord. Amos says, yeah, the day of the Lord is coming, but you ought to not desire it. Notice what he said. It is darkness and it is not light. It is even as a man, I like this, it would be if a man was running from a lion and a bear met him. And that would be my luck anyway. We're running from a lion to only go face to face with a grizzly bear. Or went into the house and leaned his hand up against the wall and a snake and a serpent bit him. It's not the day of the Lord, darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it. Name it to saying, why do you want the judgment of God to fall upon you? And it is a historical question because they thought it applied to others. Sometimes we're like that. Oh, there's so much evil in the world. I wish God would just come. No, you don't want God just to come. Only if you're ready do you want God to come. And Amos lays out what that ready looks like. And I'm afraid to say I'm going to step out on a limb here. You know, I'm one of my private little jokes. I'm not a prophet. I am John the Baptist, though. I believe the first place God's going to come is the church. We talk about rapturing the church. I'll disagree with that. There's going to be a rapture take place. He's going to judge the church first. Because I think it's in the churches today. We're fat and happy. You know, we look around, and I'm not saying First Baptist Church. I'm just in general. We look around and say, oh, I wish God would just come and take care of all this wickedness in the country and in the world that we live in. And if we would slow down and long enough to just look within the body of Christ in America today, my goodness. Instead of praying for God to come, we need to be praying God will wait so we can get our household in order. But that's what the nation of Israel was saying. Come, gay of the Lord. And Amos said, you don't want that. But when it does come, you're not going to like it. Notice what the word from God was. So what we have in verses 18 and 20 people had a wrong outlook you know and I'm, I'm guilty of that in areas you know you're you're living life and and you're so kind of consumed in what you're doing that you know you you look around and you, you think everybody else has got it messed up you know we, we want to judge other nations I know we can do that as American I remind people it's so funny I had a family member tell me this one time I was I was witnessing to them and they were saying, well, you and your Bible, y'all people in your Bible, you Baptist in your Bible. And I asked her, I said, why do you say it that way? And, and, and in essence, she was saying that we wrote the Bible, that the Southern Baptist Convention got together in 1845 and wrote the Bible, and we made all this up. 
that, that Christianity started in America and the Southern Baptist Convention. And so, you know, it's, it's, we hold the right and the privilege to the gospel. And, and like I remember that sermon I preached many weeks ago and it's still having effects. Jesus is not white, okay? We got that straight? He doesn't look like me. He's not a, a South Georgian, I can tell you that. But I think even in America, we think that way. Oh, these other nations don't have, oh, if God would just come and take care of all these wicked people. You know where we say all the wicked people are? It's where the church started. Have you looked at a map lately? You know, all the, the evil that we look at, and it is evil. It is evil. Terrorism is evil. The people that practice it is evil. Where is that coming from? The birthplace of the church. My, how we turn our back on the things of God. And you want the day of the Lord? Amos says the day of the Lord is coming because of the outlook we have. We're so quick to look out there and judge others. And Amos is reminding the people of God, and we need to be reminded today, look in. Get your heart right. Get your heart right. And then you pray for the patience of the Lord. And that those wicked people might be saved. So how's your outlook? Woe to those with a poor outlook, Amos says. Verse 21, this is what he says. And I tell you, it's something we need to take to heart. We, we say it often in our preaching and teaching, but I'm telling you, it's something that we really need to take to heart. There were two things over in Amos that he kept saying, and he kept saying, and he kept saying. I hate, now hate's a strong word. Growing up, uh, I didn't have the I didn't have much as much a filter as I do now. My wife has a, a, a purer filter than my family does. I think if my mother is listening to this, mother, you're a holy righteous person, but you're not sharing. You know, so Sharon would always say she still tells me this. We don't say that. <laughs> so shut up may not have been a bad word in my family, but it is now. So you know that's we're just saying that. We don't say hate. Now, hate is terrible. It is terrible, isn't it? We don't say hate, do we? God says, this is what I hate. Now, if God says it, how bad is that? God says, this is what I hate. Your feast and your assemblies. I wonder how many church services across our country and world today that God is saying, I hate that. Because the nation of Israel was worshiping and assembling and they were having feast and they were having a, a solemn assembly. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not even look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs and the melody of your harps. I will not listen. 
The woe was for an outlook on life. They thought everything was going great because, and here's, here's what happens to us. The nation of Israel, the woe was upon their outlook on life. They thought everything's going right. God hasn't judged yet, so it's like testing the water. See, I see that in our country. You know, I've always said the things that we're debating now as, as law, 20 years ago it would have never happened. Amen? Never would have happened. Never would have happened. But we accept now. And so it's like getting into the water on a cool morning. We get in a little bit along, you know, we don't just jump in. And so we test the waters. And the outlook that the nation of Israel had is like our outlook. We, we begin to live in a little gray area of sin in our life. And when we don't get leprosy immediately, we think God's okay with it. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go to church as much as I used to. I'm not going to give as much as I used to. I'm not going to talk about the things of the Lord as I used to. I'm going to start watching things I would have never used to. I'm going to be hanging out with people I never used to. And we do it gradually and gradually and gradually. And God never judges. So we think, well, if God's not judging, he must be blessing it. So it must be okay. So now guess what we've got? It's full blown. You want to do it. You're happy with it. You do it. God hasn't judged. He must be happy. Oh, that is so sad because guess what God says? Woe unto you when the day of the Lord approaches because of your outlook. Secondly, because of your worship. The only time we see Jesus really get mad, you know that story? When was the only time we really see Jesus get mad? Did Jesus really get mad when they nailed nails in his hands and his feet? No. Did Jesus get mad when they, when they beat him and when they, they took those crown of thorns and mashed it down? Did he get mad then? No. Did he get mad when they nailed him on the tree? No. When did he get mad? You tell me. When did Jesus Christ get mad? Worship. You've made my father's house into a den of robbers. God takes worship of himself very seriously. And he is a jealous God. He is our ruler and he is our creator. And he says, woe unto you because of your worship. And this is what's amazing. It, they, they've got their feast, check. They've got the solemn assemblies, check. We've got our offering, check. We've got our grain offering, check. We've got our peace offering, check. We've got our fattened animals, check. We've got our songs, check. We've got our melody with our harp, check. God said, I don't care what you check. I'm not listening. I think about our lives today as individuals in our setting today. I believe in God. I go to church. I give when I can. I try to serve the Lord when I can. And all along, God says, yes, but your heart's not right. I'm not listening. See, there's a big difference of doing what you have to do because you know you need to do it. Now, I know that we all do things we, we won't need to do, but we want to do anyway. Being a husband, that that's kind of motivates my life. I still think leaving all the cabinets open airs everything out, and it's more, it's more germ-free. I really believe that. I'm going to write a book on that. But because I know I need to be living in a happy home, I shut the cabinets. Do I want to do it? No, I don't want to. It makes no sense to me. So we do a lot of things we may not want to do, but we know we need to. So I don't want to become legalistic here. But here's the thing. It's a difference when you think, 
Oh, here's a good example. I always like to use church attendance as a good example. Well, we haven't gone to church in about four or five months, and I know sooner or later I'm going to bump into the preacher at Walmart. Let's go to church. But that is embarrassing when I haven't seen you in six months and I see you at Walmart and you act like everything's okay. It really makes me feel awkward because I really want to say what I want to say, but I can't because I love Jesus and I'm your pastor. I'm going to start doing that at Walmart. <laughs> Woe unto you who desire the day of the Lord. So if you're in Walmart and you just hear that come across the PA system, that's me. <laughs> but there's another difference in saying, I really want to serve the Lord, but I know I'm not quite perfect in everything. There's a big difference in that. We're not talking about perfection. I know Mark, I've, I've visited with Mark and a good, a good example, we had great worship this morning, didn't we? Amen? I preached in October in a church that had three in a praise team, and the whole church would have sat in half the choir loft, and it didn't have the magnitude of the sound. We didn't have a, a guitarist over here. We didn't have a praise team, and it didn't sound like First Baptist Church, Avon Park. But you know what we had? We had great worship. Because they, they were smaller in number and they may not have had the, the, the training and the expertise, but you know what? They loved Jesus Christ and we worshiped. And sometimes I think we forget that. God wants our heart. That's all he's asking for is our heart. Do we love him? Do we love serving him? Do we enjoy worshiping him? When we assemble, is it because we want to? When we give, is it because we want to? When we have everything that we do for the glory of God, is it because that we want to? That's all he asks. Do you love Jesus Christ? And do you love serving him? That's all he asks. Woe unto you when your worship is not the way it needs to be. And then thirdly, he says, woe unto you. He says, take away from me the noise of your songs, the melody of your harps. I will not listen. Look at verse 24. It's just one little verse in here. But let justice roll down. Now, that has been the theme of our, our Amos series. And a lot of times we think about, well, maybe he's talking about the judgment rolling down. Well, in one sense, the judgment will roll down. But notice the context here. Let your justice roll down like waters in righteousness, like an ever-flowing stream. So they had a wrong outlook. They had wrong motives. Their worship was wrong. They also had wrong motives because their concern for others was wrong. If we look at what's going on here, there's, there's throughout the book of Amos, two things, your worship and the way you treat others. When you think about those two words that he uses there, he says, let your justice roll down like waters. We talk about uh, oppression of the, the justice. We talk about uh, the, 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 the social justice, how we, we treat others as a society, the, the poor and the needy and those that don't have what we have. There's a context of that is justice, the way that we treat others. And it's the idea, though, more than anything else, we look at our life, the, our conduct. When we think about the way that we live our life, it conveys the idea of our worship, but it also talks about the way that we, we treat others. Because I really believe this, and Scripture teaches this, the, the, the nation of Israel had it all wrong. Their, their, their motive for living was all wrong. They weren't worshiping God. Their, their missions, it was all wrong because if, they love, if you love God, you're going to love others. It's, it's just natural. It's like when a parent, parent comes to me and says, fix Brooks. 
And the first thing I say is, well, he's a teenager. That's what they do. No, he's broken. Fix him. So you come, we have all these problems that we're having because we're not living right. And so, you know, we want to fix all the problems. Make all these problems go away. So I'll say, okay, I can fix the problems. And this is what gets real great. The problem is not what he's doing. The problem is who he is serving. Because when you get your heart right, your life gets right. Husband, if you don't love your wife, because you don't love Christ. When you love Christ, you love your wife. Wife, you say, my husband gets on my nerves and I'm out of here. Well, don't get out of here. Love Jesus Christ and you'll want to hang around a little bit. We do what we do because of our relationship with God. And so the nation of Israel's worship was wrong, and because their worship was wrong, their life was wrong. Somebody says, what's wrong with our country? Why are we doing what we're doing? Because our worship isn't right, and when your worship isn't right, that's just a byproduct. There's no other byproduct you can have. If your walk with God is not right, your walk with others will never be right. And Amos is saying, let justice roll down. Treat people right. Love God, love others. There shouldn't be any prejudice or racism. And, you know, I, and I, I get so tired of the, the whole stuff going on with the law enforcement and this, that, and the other. And I guarantee you with all that's going on and how ugly it gets, I guarantee you could take both camps or both conflicts off to the side and both of them would say they love Jesus. You can't love Jesus and treat others the way that we treat others. There's a heart problem there. You need to check your heart. Amos says, let justice roll down and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. See, our, our conduct and character, I wrote in the little margin of my Bible there, justice, my conduct, righteousness, my character. Amos says, woe unto you for your outlook on life. Woe unto you for your worship. Woe unto you for your treatment of others. Verse 25, did you bring to me sacrifices and offering during the 40 years in the wilderness of Israel? Now, these last three verses, we don't really know exactly what's going on because we weren't there. We just go by what God has given us. You shall take up Sikath your king and Keon your star god. And so best we can determine from research and study, these were false gods that they brought with them out of Egypt. So what God is saying is they were real good about their history. They, they, they really enjoyed Ancestry.com. They knew what was going on behind them. 500 years ago plus this was happening behind them. Did you not bring me your offering and sacrifices those 40 years in the desert? Did you not bring to me your false god? Did you, didn't you bring those false gods with you out of Egypt those images that you made for yourself gosh if we had a if you have a gold pen circle that in gold images you've made for yourself isn't that the root of sin isn't that what sin is doing what we want to do regardless of we know what God has said but we still do it anyway that's sin we've done something we've created something for ourselves but this is what I want to do this is what makes me happy this is what I think we need to do instead of what is God asking me to do I will and this is you cannot miss this I could I could spend an hour on this just understanding this I'm calling you out of Egypt to take the promised land 
take the promised land. So take the promised land. But because you continually turn your back on me, I'm exiling you to Damascus. What is, you, you can either take the promised land or what? Be exiled. The nation of Israel was given the promised land. But instead, they were exiled. I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. I put in your bulletin this morning some passages from Joshua. I was reading through Joshua. I'm a little bit behind on my daily reading in the Old Testament. I tend to always get behind in my Old Testament readings. But I'm reading through the Old Testament. I'm a little bit behind. So I was reading in, in the end of Joshua and the beginning of Judges this week. If you're following the same plan, you know what I'm saying. And as, I, as I'm studying for the sermon, it, just, it was just so wonderful and clear to me. They had turned their back on God as his people. They had, they had forgotten what God had asked them to do. He never asked him to do anything that was difficult. Notice in your bulletin. Just flip, look in your bulletin right there. Joshua is dying, and they have taken the promised land. Moses is dead. They, they've crossed over the Jordan with Joshua. Jericho falls. They go in, and they, they beat down the enemies, and Joshua is dying. And he says, don't forget the good fight. Don't forget what we have to do. Keep fighting for the promised land. Keep following God. It's that exhortation to keep following God. Notice what he says in Joshua 22.5. Notice what they had forgotten in Amos 5. Be careful to observe the commandment and the law of Moses. What do you think it means to be careful? You know what God would say for us today? Be careful and just follow me. Be careful and follow the word of God. On down it says, Joshua reminded him, love the Lord your God, walk in all his ways, keep his commandments. I love this verse. Cling to him. What does it mean to cling to? What a, what a great aspect. Cling to Christ. Cling to the gospel. What does it mean to cling? You're grasping, you're, you're loving, you're never letting go. It, it's the most important thing that you have. And what God is saying is cling to the gospel, cling to the truth of God's word. Serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. These are the words to the nation of Israel. The next chapter, verse 6, be strong and keep and do. Verse 8, but you shall cling to the Lord your God. Verse 11, be very careful. I love that word, be very careful. You know what I think we're afraid of today? This is what we've done. Here's the Bible. Well, let's don't be too, let's be careful about, the, now we do it the wrong way. Let's be careful about the Bible. That was written a long time ago. And so we don't need to be so literal with the Bible because it can mean different things to different people. Because if we start telling people how they need to live and what they need to do, I just don't think that's our place. And I always want to just go, ah! It's not our place. It's God's place. And he's already done it. It's not my place. I don't walk around going, well, I, I, I guess I will walk around doing it. I do it in Walmart. Woe to you. <laughs> it's, I don't, it's not me talking. It's God. 
We have gotten so far away from the precious gift of the Word of God. We spend more time as a church is today in America trying to prove why it's not literal instead of just embracing it as the Word of God. You can either take the promised land or I'm going to exile you beyond Damascus. It's up to you. That's what he told the nation of Israel. Well, we don't want to do that. Well, okay, go to Damascus. Love the Lord your God. Verse 13, know for certain. What does that mean in Hebrew? Know for certain. Verse 13, that the Lord your God will no longer drive out the nations before you. What was keeping the nation of Israel in the time of Joshua from taking the promised land? Their enemies. Woe unto you. We either have a judgment or we can have blessings. We can either have punishment or we can have a possession. We don't live under the old covenant law. So we, you know, but some say, well, I don't care what Joshua says. We don't. The principles and the truthfulness of God never changes. Cling to the gospel. Love the Lord. Serve God. Receive his blessing. Take the promised land. Because the day of the Lord is coming. I don't need a chart. I don't need a video. I don't need some preacher writing another book on something that makes no sense biblically to tell me. I know the day of the Lord is coming. We're making a, a, a gazillion dollars for, for people saying, it's right around the corner. I know it's right around the corner. But don't we live, shouldn't we live like it's right around the corner? Students, you got two choices. You can hang, I'm going to pick on you all a little bit. You can hang 18,000 ribbons and scarves and whatever. You can go to the greatest institution in America and get a degree from the University of Georgia. But all that doesn't matter. All that doesn't matter when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, either well done or get out of here. It doesn't matter what we do if we're not doing it for Jesus. It doesn't matter what we do in it if we're not taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. It doesn't matter what we're doing unless we're striving to be more righteous and holy every day in our life. It doesn't matter what we're doing it if we're not doing it for the glory of God. But think about it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. God says, I will direct your path. And God's not a liar. I get intimidated preaching Amos, by the way. Because I think, woe is me, like I've got it figured out. This is what God will say. I've never asked you to get it figured out. I've just asked you to live for me. I've never asked you to be perfect, Israel. Just love me and follow me and serve me. Just cling to me. Let's stand as we pray. Lord God, we thank you for the word that you gave us through the nation of Israel by the mouth of Amos. I thank you for the privilege to worship you. And I pray that we truly do have a heart of worship this morning. 
And Lord, as we have heard your word, I pray that we would not be as a nation of Israel and we would again turn our our heart and our ears away from the truth of your word, but we would allow the word of God to penetrate us and to change us. Lord, help us to do that. Let us have a heart that loves you and loves living for you and proclaiming you. And this we ask in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's all for this edition of Living Faith. Listen in every week for more from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. You don't want to miss any of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. Our senior pastor, John Beck, will be walking us through that important Old Testament book for the coming months. For more information about First Baptist Church of Avon Park, just go to fbcap.net. You can find us on Facebook by simply searching for First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash fbcavonpark. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. Our Sunday service begins at 1045. You can find all this information and more at fbcap.net. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time on Living Faith.